the earth was able to open the scroll or to even look at it. So I, John, the revelator, uh, John, the beloved, John, the writer of this book. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to even look at it. And so, Father, I, I thank you so much that we have your revealed word to us. We, we have your scriptures that we can uh, open up and read for ourselves, Lord. And I, I thank you so much for uh, the people in this church, the, the congregation that we have that uh, not only serves faithfully week in and week out, uh, but also love your word with all their hearts, who, who desire uh, to go deeper into deeper uh, into the truths of your word, Lord. And I thank you so much for a, a pastor who, who clearly teaches those truths to us. I, I thank you for uh, worship teams like, like John and Rebecca who were up here leading us into the very throne room of God. And so, Lord, as we, we approach this text, I ask that you would help us to do so uh, with reverence today. Uh, that as we see the very heart of, of this author, the very heart of a, a, uh, an apostle who followed after you diligently for three years and whose whole life uh, was leading up to this very event, and to, to find out that there's no one who is worthy to, to open the scrolls, and, and to hear his heart just, just break. Oh, how he weeps deeply. Lord, I, I thank you for what you are going to show us tonight. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Do you, do you understand what's, what's happening here in, in this, this text? Uh, John, John has been uh, taken from this, you know, uh, island of Patmos, this, this prison island in the Mediterranean Ocean, and he, he's transported to this heavenly realm. He, he goes through the gates uh, of heaven, and he, he sees before him this magnificent throne, uh, th this beautiful throne, and God is sitting on it. The, the picture is overwhelming for John. A and now, in this next chapter, chapter 5, we see God holding a scroll. Uh, God holding a scroll with seven uh, seals. Now, you know, today we have what are called books, right? And normally we don't have locks on our books unless maybe it's a, you know, a diary or electronic version or something like that. But, but uh, you know, maybe in, in your grandma's house or maybe in a museum, you've seen books with latches on them, right? And they would have a, a key and you'd have to have a special key and you have to, you know, open uh, the book. Uh, a scroll was more intricate. A, a scroll was a, a rolled piece of paper. And there's a significance to uh, the way that this scroll is described because it is sealed with seven 
seals, seven different seals, a, a sign of not only a royalty, but, but a sign of a passing of the baton uh, to the next generation, a, a sign that would say, I am giving everything I have to the person that I give this scroll to. Uh, we call it wheels today. Uh, we, we call it a, you know, whether it's a, a trust, whether it's some type of, you know, passing on of property from one generation to the next generation. There is a set number of people that only are allowed to receive the items in this will. Uh, they, they are the ones who are allowed to uh, accumulate or get the items in this will. And the same thing is happening with this scroll, it, it, except in this case, it's God himself. Oh, which hand is he holding the scroll in? In his right hand. And all of the universe is searched for someone worthy to open the scroll. In fact, in fact what does it say there in verse 3? No one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look at it. No one in all of the created universe is able to open this scroll. No one is found axios or worthy to open this scroll why does john cry in the very next phrase why does john cry why does he not just cry with with tears but as it says here the only time found in all of the scriptures where these two words are put together this phrase is ever used wept much or wept greatly now, do you understand with what is happening with John's world view at this instant You see, it was John who followed John the Baptist, remember? It was John the Baptist who said, follow that guy, my cousin. Uh, follow that guy, the Messiah. Follow that one, the one I've been preparing the way for. It was John, who, along with Andrew, who got his brother James. It was Andrew who got his brother Peter. It was this group of 12 apostles that followed Jesus day in, day out for three full years. When all the crowds left, who was left of all the disciples? There was the inner 12. But within that inner 12, there was three, right? What were their names? Peter. James and John, right? And within those inner three, there was one, only one, that was called the beloved. The one who would lay down on the bosom of Jesus Christ. The one to whom was the only one there at the foot of the cross. Of all the male apostles, all the male disciples of Jesus Christ. 
Uh, amongst those women, all those Marys that were there at the foot of the cross, weeping as they watched Jesus die, it was John the Beloved there at the foot of the cross. You can read it in John chapter 19. And what does he say to his mother? Woman, behold your son. Pointing to whom? John the Beloved. And what does he say to John the Beloved? Behold your mother. The, the last earthly act that Jesus had to relinquish here on this earth. Uh, the last earthly responsibility that he had. Someone to care for his earthly mother. And who was that person? John the Beloved, the writer of this revelation, the, the one who wrote John, the gospel, and first and second and third John, and then again this book of Revelation. Everything in John's worldview, everything that John has been hoping for, this is the Messiah, the Son of God. And now he's in heaven waiting for someone to open the scroll Break those seals, and everywhere they search. And what is the Bible? And, and what does the Bible say? No one was found, not in heaven, not underneath the earth, not not in the heavens themselves, not anywhere. And John weeps. He he weeps with these deep tears, because as it says in verse four. No one was found worthy to open and to read the scroll and to look at it. What does it mean to be worthy? We, we, we always say the opposite nowadays, you know. I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, right? But, but what does it mean to be worthy? To, to have the right requirements for whatever job that you are doing. To, to have the right credentials for something that you will accomplish. You see, no one is found worthy that, that has the right credentials to open the scroll with the seven seals in the right hand of God. And then we read verse 5. And what does it say? But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has, what does that word say in the New King James Version? Prevailed. Prevailed. Has overcome. Uh, has provided a way in which to take the scroll. And open it and to loose its seven seals. What is the description of the one who's going to open the seals? What does it say in verse 5? What is he going to look like? What does it say here? 
a lion. From the tribe of Judah, right? Now, it's amazing to, to look at, you know, the, these, you know, various uh, genealogies and, you know, and, and by the way, never skip over any genealogies in the Bible. I mean, because it's, it's so full of information. But, but as you look at this, this passage here, uh, what is the genealogy or, or the, the result of or the history of the one who's going to open the scroll? What is his genealogical uh, repertoire? Where does he come from? What line does he come from? From the line of Judah through the root of David. Now, I want you guys to turn with me just, just, for a short time here, uh, to Genesis, please, okay? Genesis chapter uh, 49. Uh, Genesis chapter uh, 49. Uh, this is one of the most, if not uh, the most um, important in terms of um, uh prophetic statements that is given to uh, the sons of Jacob, the, the 12 sons of Jacob, here in Genesis chapter um, 49. Uh, Jacob is about ready to die. He's going to give his inheritance to his 12 sons. He lines them up in birth order. Firstborn son, his name is Reuben. And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together, that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Gather together and hear you, sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my what? Firstborn. Now, by right, by law, who would always get the birthright? Who always should get the birthright? The firstborn son. In, in fact, in, in Israelite history, according to the law, the, the oldest son would get what was called the birthright and the double blessing. Uh, look at the case of uh, Jacob and Esau, Jacob's brother Esau. Uh, who had the birthright? By law, by birth. Esau did. Why? Because even though they were twins, uh, even though uh, they were born on the same day, one of them came out first. And who was it? Esau, right? He should have gotten the birthright. But what did he do instead? You know, he sold it to his brother Jacob, right? And so Jacob gets the birthright. Let's see if the firstborn son gets the birthright. What does it say there? Reuben, you are my firstborn. Without shadow of doubt, you're my firstborn. My might and the beginning of my strength, the excellence of dignity and the excellence of power. I had you when I was strong. I, I, you were my firstborn son. Verse 4, 
unstable as water, you shall not excel, because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went to my couch. What is he saying here? You slept with your stepmother's concubine. You're not getting the birthright. Let's look at the next two. The, the next two that are in line to receive the birthright. Brothers by the name of Simeon and Levi. Simeon and Levi are brothers, instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. In fact, this is exactly what happens because Levi becomes the Levitical tribe. Levi becomes the priestly tribe. They don't receive any inheritance. They're scattered throughout the whole nation of Israel. Uh, they are given cities within the nation of Israel. Do they receive the birthright? No. What did they do? They didn't like the guy that their sister was going to marry. So, so they, they, they trick all of his relatives, his whole city, into getting circumcised. All these guys, you know. After three days of wallowing in their beds, Simeon and Levi go throughout the whole city and kill every single one of the men. This anger that is uh, deep within them, they lose out on the birthright. Who gets the birthright? Number four. Who is it? Judah. You are he whom your brother shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah. 400 years before the events that take place where the very first king is even chosen. Uh, uh, 450 years before even David is chosen as king, uh, Judah predicts where the scepter, the line of reign, will come from. Not from the first son, not from the second son, not from the third son, but from the fourth son. The scepter will not depart until when? What does it say there? Nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. And we know Shiloh is the Messiah, the one who's going to bring peace, the one who's going to provide a way of salvation for his people. The one whom directly descended from Judah uh, through the root of David will be the one who is worthy to open that seven-sealed scroll. In Revelation chapter 5, 
what do you see? The lion from the tribe of Judah, from the very descendant or root of David. He must be able to trace his lineage back to David and back to uh, Judah. We return to Revelation chapter 5. And it continues on there. So what are you expecting to see? What are you expecting to see? A lion from the tribe of Judah. Whom do we see in the very next verse? Verse 6. And I looked. And behold, in the midst of the throne... And of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a, what, what's standing there? You, you can read it. What does it say? A lamb. This, 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 you know, uh, the, this lineage that is being portrayed here, a, a lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the, this, this, this beast who would come forth with, with power and authority to open the scroll, right? Who would roar, as Amos says, and the earth would tremble. But what do we see instead? Same person, by the way. Okay? Just a different perspective. A different picture. What do we see? A lamb. What does the lamb look like? As though it had been slain. Do you understand that? Do you understand how, how powerful this is? This... Uh, image that we see of, of this lamb who has been slain on purpose. By the way, the only wounds that we'll ever see in heaven. This lamb who bears the marks of the slashed throat. Who, who bears the, the marks of, of being stabbed. Who bears the marks of the sacrificial system is standing in the midst of the throne. You see, in chapter 4, and in, in fact, in every single chapter before this, all eyes are, are fixed on God. And now, for the first time, we see all eyes of every being in heaven fixated on the Lamb. And what does it say there? It continues on. Having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came. And only him, only him is allowed to do this. What does he do? Took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. The, the strong angel that's standing there can't do it. Uh, none of the 24 elders can do this. 
uh, none of the uh, um, amazing, uh, you know, majestical creatures that are in heaven, none of the living creatures can touch the scroll. There is only one who is worthy to touch the scroll. And who is it? The lamb, the lion from the tribe of Judah through the root of David. This lamb who looks slain. Do you see the picture of what the lamb looks like? How many horns does he have? How many horns does he have? How many eyes does he have? We, we see this, this representation here of, of not only um, uh, the seven that's used set, or three times just in this one verse. Uh, th this number seven that, that's used uh, for the horns and for the eyes. Th this representation of, of a horn being power. And, and seven being the number for perfection. He is perfect in power and authority. Uh, these eyes, the, the ability to see. And then seven of them being perfect in seeing. Omniscient. Um, everywhere, being able to see anything and everything. The, the, these attributes that can only be ascribed to one being, God himself. And yet at the same time, we see them distinct and separate from one another. Uh, God sitting on the throne and the lamb in the midst. Uh, both being able to uh, be omnipotent and omniscient, uh, both having all authority and power, the only one worthy to be worshipped, and immediately, uh, just as John, uh, you know, has, has written in the past in the book of John, just as we remember from reading the book of John, what did Jesus say of himself? I and the Father are one. Isn't that amazing? All, all these, all these uh, quotes from Jesus immediately flood John's mind. I and the Father are one, yet distinct in personage. The, the, the Lamb is now the center of attention. And what does he do? He takes the scroll whom no one in the entire created universe is even allowed to look at. And he takes it out of the very hand of God himself. Verse 8, what does it say? Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, 24 elders fell down before the Lamb each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the, the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Isn't that amazing? If you read back to, to chapter 4, we, we see this song that, that the 24 elders and the four living creatures have been singing throughout eternity. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And now when the Lamb takes the scroll with the seven seals, what do they break out in worship? To whom are they worshiping, by the way, first? 
the lamb. Okay? And now they sing a new song to the lamb. And what do they say? The, the whole point of being able to take the scroll was that he was worthy. And what do they say? You are, what does it say? Worthy. To take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation. Isn't that amazing? Is God ever racist? No. In fact, Christianity is the only religion where, where people from all uh, backgrounds, all tongues, all skin types, all nationalities can come freely. And we see it represented not only here in this chapter, but throughout the book of Revelation. We see thousands upon thousands and thousands of people that are going to be Gentiles, that are going to be saved out of the tribulation time period. That are going to be falling on their faces, worshiping God because of the very same fact that Jesus died for them. You're not going to be proclaiming your great accomplishments up in heaven. None of us will. The only thing that we're going to be able to say is, you are worthy, Jesus. Only you are worthy. Because you died for my sins. Uh, we have a, we'll get Matthew here. Is he okay? That's fine. Can we get one of the guys to help Matthew? Thank you. We'll be praying for me, Matthew. Why don't we do that right now? And Lord, we, we do thank you that we can come before you at any time. I, I thank you so much that uh, as we look through this, this amazing text that we, we get the privilege of even entering your throne room right now. I lift up to you, Matthew. I ask that you would just uh, uh, touch his life right now to uh, perform a miracle in his life. Lord, give him the energy, the strength, the endurance that he needs, Lord. Uh, help him to get back his, his energy level, Lord. I ask that you would just um, bless those that are helping him even now. Bless his wife. Give them wisdom to, to, to know what to do in this situation, Lord. I, I thank you so much for his life and what you're doing in it. In Jesus' name, uh, amen and amen. And so we, we see this new song. Uh, that, that is being proclaimed by the 24 elders and the four living creatures, these, these magnificent beings that their whole purpose is to praise God. And what do they sing now? You are worthy to receive all honor, to be able to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your um, blood. Can I acknowledge my accomplishments or anything that I've done 
for the for anything whether it's a job whether whether it's you know being a good father or a good husband or or doing good things for other people is there going to be any acclamation of myself in heaven or or of any of you no Every eye, every tongue is going to be praising Jesus because none of us can even be in heaven without the covering of the blood of the Lamb. The only way that any of us can ever be redeemed. I love this word redeemed. You see it on cans all the time, right? This can has a redemption value, right? The CA, California, or, you know, if you live in a MI, you get more, right? You know, uh, I, I always picture it this way, you know, then, of course, you know, I, I, I always say, you know, there's this dirty, old, grimy, you know, sugar-encrusted Coke can lying on the side of the road, okay? It's not a Pepsi can, it's a Coke can. Coke cans are worse, okay? Especially in this church, Right? And it's covered with this black syrup, right? You've seen those type of cans. And you take it to the recycling center. And they give you a million bucks for it. To an infinite degree, that's what God did for us. That's what Jesus did for you and me. He found that dirty old syrup encrusted covering with ants person on the side of the road and he redeemed them he redeemed you and he redeemed me the only way we're worthy to enter heaven is through the blood of the lamb not not by some act of our own not not by some you know whether it's baptism speaking in tongues whatever it is saying you know a, a certain mantra or whatever no it's only through the blood of the lamb that we can even enter into the throne room of god you have redeemed us to god by your blood out of what does it say there and this is even more majestic by the way Every tribe. Do you understand that there will be people in heaven from places that you have never even gone to? There will be people uh, in heaven from places that I can't even pronounce. There will be people in heaven, as it says here, from every tribe, every language group or tongue, every people group and nation. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? And all of them, all of these people have been bought by the blood of the Lamb, People that, that look different than me. People from whom I look different from and speak a different language of. I will meet them in heaven and guess what? We're all going to be doing exactly the same thing. Boom. Right before the throne of the Lamb of God. Verse 10. It gets better. And have made us kings. 
and priests to our God. Do you understand the significance of that? Do you understand the the significance of being redeemed, not for some, you know, monetary value, but for a a position, the right to be called a son of God, a son of the king, and a priest. Uh, Do you understand how powerful that is? You, You see, throughout history, Uh, these two offices have always been separate. There was always the tribe of the kings, Judah, as we just read in Genesis chapter 49, and then there was the tribe of the priests, and they could never mix. They, They could never be occupied by the same exact person. Many kings had tried. David wanted to be a priest, Stephen. He he wanted to be one of those that could be able to offer sacrifices. But yet he knew he couldn't because he was from the tribe of Judah. There there was several kings that had tried to offer sacrifices. There were people throughout the scriptures that that had wanted either whether they were a priest or whether they were a king and, and knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that they couldn't combine these two offices until one. And it's predicted that this would happen in the book of Zechariah where where the Messiah would come and be able to bring these two offices into peace. The right to be called a king and the right to be called a priest. The book of Hebrews brings it out clearly. Not from the tribe of Levi because Jesus wasn't from the tribe of Levi but from the line of Uh, Melchizedek, a a greater line, a a more prominent line, even before Levi was even thought of in Abraham's loins, the Bible says. And so these two uh, occupations, these, these two responsibilities, these two job groups are now brought together in one person. And guess what? We also get to be called kings and priests. To whom? And we shall reign on the earth. Isn't that amazing? Do you understand the power of this? Kings and priests to our God who will get to reign on the earth. We have the privilege to be called the children of God. To reign alongside of him. It continues on there in verse 11. Then I looked. Who's talking here? Who's talking? Who's the I? John, the writer of the book of Revelation. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. This, this uh, you know, massive uh, group of heavenly beings, what, who, are they, who are they worshiping? The Lamb. And they also sing a song. Verse 12, saying with a loud voice, 
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Who are they praising? Who are they worshiping? The Lamb himself. The only one who meets the requirements that we see that are being ascribed to him uh, in these uh, verses. Now, now it's amazing to think in every single one of these songs, it always starts with the same phrase or word, worthy. In fact, in this chapter alone, in chapter 5, we see the word worthy used more than any other chapter in the whole Bible. This word axios, this word worthy that is used over and over and over again. And who is it always ascribed to? The Lamb who was slain for the sins of the world, for us. The Lamb who is the Messiah, the one who sacrificed himself for us. What does it say that he's going to receive? To receive power. To receive riches. To receive wisdom. To receive strength to receive honor to receive glory to receive blessings things that can only be ascribed to God himself we we say it in more you know uh, dramatic terms we say omnipotence we say omniscience uh, we say uh, all power or all uh, glory or all honor or all blessing. All the, these terms that can only be ascribed to God himself and the lamb is receiving it. Is God and Jesus equal? Yes. Mm. Are they God? Yes. Do we worship Jesus Christ? Yes, we do. And it's portrayed in, in very clear fashion here. Everybody is falling on their face before the Lamb, singing these great hymns, these great praises to the Lamb. Verse 13 we see the, the living creatures and the elders. Then we see the, all the angels in heaven worshiping the Lamb. And now we see a third group. Verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying... Now, who is, what is this group here? Every created creature that has ever existed is now raising their voices in, in, in harmony uh, to the Lamb himself. 
Jesus said it very clearly when he was going into Jerusalem for the very last time there on Palm Sunday. Everybody is laying down their, their, their robes, their, their jackets before uh, this, this donkey that Jesus is riding on. And then they run out of, you know, jackets and clothes and then they start laying down these palm branches. And, and the people say, what are, you, what are you doing allowing these people to, to you know, uh, proclaim you as the one who is Hosanna, uh, the, the savior of the people of Israel? And what did Jesus say? If they don't say it, the rocks are going to cry out. The very rocks themselves will cry the praises of my name. And we see that here, and not, not only that, but, but all the creatures who, who uh, you know, in, in the heavens and the earth and underneath the sea and on the sea, what do they say? Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb for how long? For eternity. Forever. And ever, and ever, and ever. Verse 14. And with the loudest amen that has ever been proclaimed in all of history, we read this. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. I always grew up in Baptist churches, you know, and they know how to say amen, right? You, you, you know, there was always some deacon in the back of the church, and, you know, the pastor will get going. What do they say? Amen, right? Amen, right? It's this term of endearment in terms of, of preach it, right? I agree with you. I am in agreement with what you are saying, and these four living creatures, these, these massive beings who are, who are described not only in the book of Revelation uh, uh, as these majestic beings with, uh, with power and authority and four different faces and, and multi-winged and with power that they themselves have been given by God himself. In the book of, uh, of Ezekiel, we see them again. They're able to fly around and they do the will of God without question. And these four living creatures, what do they say? Amen. Amen. And the 24 elders fell down. And they worshipped him who lives forever and ever and ever and ever and John is there in the midst John is there and as those those tear-crusted eyes uh, that are now rejoicing with everybody in heaven and guess what we will get to be a part of that congregation and we will get to be uh, uh, privileged to be able to hear these same exact songs if you are washed in the blood of the uh, Lamb. There, there's a hymn that I, that I love dearly. Um, I, I'll read the, the first verse and it'll be up here on the, uh, the screens there for you all to read. It says, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels 
prostate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Or, or verse 4, if you don't mind going to verse 4 there. The very last verse, it says, Oh, that with all the sacred throng we at his feet may fall, we'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. If you don't mind, please, please join with me uh, in, in the singing of this song, and if, if you would love to uh, stand to your feet or remain sitting, uh, whatever, but, but please join me as we, we sing this song together. All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him, Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him, Lord of all. We'll bring it down just a little bit. O seed of Israel's chosen race, now ransom from the fall. Hail him who saved you by his grace and crown him. Lord of all, hail him who saved you by his grace and crown him, Lord of all. Let every tongue and every tribe responsive to his call and crown him all majesty and crown him Lord of all. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him, Lord of all. Third verse again, please. Let every tongue and every tribe responsive to his call. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him, Lord of all. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. Oh, that with all the sacred throng we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. And so, Father, we thank you that we can come before you. Now, even now, as, as we see in the book of Revelation, as John gets to be a, a first-hand witness to these events that, that are taking place, Lord, Lord, thank you that we also get to be there with you. We, we thank you that we have the privilege of being a blood washed. And it is only through your son that we can approach even the very throne room of God to be redeemed by the precious blood of the lamb that was slain for our sins. Lord, Lord we thank you
that, that, that there is a way. We, we thank you that there is only one way. We, we thank you that we have the privilege of telling other people about this one way, Lord. And so, Lord, tonight, help us just to be overwhelmed, as John was, of this magnificent event of being able to see the one whom he hoped for and whom he hoped in his entire life. To see the fulfillment of every single one of his hopes now visible before him. The one who is worthy. The one who is or who has the only right uh, to receive the scroll and to break the seals. The only one who is worthy to be praised, to be worshipped, to be ascribed these attributes, Lord. Lord, please forgive us when so many times we try to take that place, when we ask for the praise, when we ask for the acclamations, when, when we ask for the attaboys or the things that we want for ourselves, Lord, please forgive us. Help us tonight to point the glory to you as every single created being does in this chapter. As every single magnificent angelic being does in heaven. Help us to do the same. Lord, we love you. We thank you to you. All majesty ascribe uh, to you all praise and honor and glory and power is ascribed to you and you alone. And we thank you for that. You are worthy. And we bow before you now. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. And amen. God bless you. Thank you.